Our text today is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Two announcements I forgot today, and how do you forget those announcements? Tonight we'll be observing the Lord's Supper, so don't miss out on that evening service, the Lord's Supper. And then also, uh, deacons, I'll be meeting you at 5 o'clock this afternoon. So again, deacons and the Lord's Supper, so we're looking forward to that as well. Okay, and then we're in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10 in a sermon that I have titled, Four Signs of the Rapture. Now, you can see other things and so forth that are in there, but I just want to look at four of them uh, in this, uh, I call it a short series, but uh, what is short to me is not short to a lot of people. What is long to me is not long to a lot of people, so... We're in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Before I have a word of prayer, now let me just say, if you read... Revelation chapter 3, the first church address is Sardis. They had a name, that thou livest, but the Lord says, but thou art dead. Yeah, it's the happening church. It's the, everything's going on right there. Boy, they had that name, but the Lord says, you're dead. And by that means spiritually, you're just next thing to death. You're not doing it. You're not doing God's will, God's way. Holiness is out the window. Evangelism is out the window. So many things are out the window. He says, you have a name that you live. Everybody talks about you, but you're dead. But then this passage, verse 10, is the church at Philadelphia. The Lord says, I've opened a door. No man can shut it. (laughs) The Lord opens it. Nobody can shut it. If he shuts it, nobody can open it. He's done. And they have shown a little faith. In other words, they've stuck with it. They've not denied the faith. And so the Lord makes a promise here. I'll keep you from the hour of temptation which shall uh, try them uh, that dwell on the earth. Now that is not speaking of a uh, split rapture. Okay, where okay, only the real good Christians will get caught up into heaven. There are those that were teaching that. And the other Christians will have to go through the tribulation. That's not what it's teaching at all. So I just want you to understand that so you don't mistake that as we go on. But let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message for today. Father, we believe that Jesus is coming soon. And that Apostle John got a glimpse of heaven and said, Even so, come Lord Jesus. Must be something. And yet, To know that there are loved ones, friends, others without Christ. And Lord, it's hard to say, even so come, when they'll be left behind. And yet, Lord, I pray that in whatever the time is, that there'll be people brought to Christ in our own remaining days on this earth, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. In the hour of temptation, 
speaks of a seven-year tribulation period. Now, we'll get into why it's a seven-year tribulation period in just a little bit. But it's going to be seven years of the worst history of man. And by that I mean uh, there was a flood that destroyed everything at once. But this is going to be death through pestilence, through wild animals, through armies, through lawlessness, through pestilence, and so many other things for that seven years. Well over half of the world's population will die within a seven-year period. Now, when they talk about how many have died through the, the COVID thing and so forth like that, and some say, well, I don't believe there's that many, and some say, well, I believe there are many more. But nonetheless, it doesn't come to over half the world population. And in a seven-year period. So what I want you to understand is, is that there's been nothing like this ever upon the earth. Ever. Because in many ways, it'll be a torturous slow to death. The flood was actually pretty quick. But this is a slow and torturous death. And so, his promise is for those who are saved that he'll keep you from that hour of temptation. You'll be raptured up before the Lord begins to pour out his wrath upon the earth for that seven year period. I believe that uh, from what we see in the Bible, that when you put things, say, in a calendar type of a way, the rapture is the next thing to happen on God's calendar. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, what about hurricanes? What about different uh, dictators? What about wars and things? No, those things happen. But I'm talking about things and God is going to move. And God moves every day, by the way. He moves every day. But these are things specific that we're looking at. And I want you to see as it is, uh, the rapture is going to come. Now, we, we know. We know that there is a rapture because the Bible says so. Now, you either say, I believe the Bible or I don't believe the Bible. I've heard some say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. And I even was visiting in the home with somebody who visited our church. I evidently preached on it at that time. He said, you don't even see the word rapture in the Bible. And, of course, a very old uh, uh, thing is, well, the word trinity is not in the Bible. So you don't believe there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, it's there, but that's, that's taught. I said, yep, so is the rapture. So is the rapture. So it's a teaching of the Bible, whether they use the word or not. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we read this. For they themselves <clears throat> show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how that ye turn to God from idols to seek the true and living God. Now look, that's repentance. They turn to God from idols. You know, in Hindu lands, they're ready to get saved. They're ready to ask the Lord to save them and make him one of their gods. That's not what it is. I mean, yeah, 
You know, you have some of these religions that have multiple wives. Honey, would you be one of my wives? I mean, I can't imagine that, okay? I can't imagine like saying yes. I can't imagine man wanting that many mother-in-laws. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it is that, that, it is that crazy. However, however, when you turn to Christ, you're turning from all other things. And it is like getting married. You turn from anybody you ever dated. You're just going to that one, and it's a life commitment. When you're turning to Christ, it's a life commitment. Too often we have taught getting saved is saying these words in prayer, saying, Lord, come to my heart and save me. And now it's like you can go out and live like you want to. You're saved. You're going to heaven, so nothing to worry about. Just go out and do what you want. Now, I don't say it that way, but the actions usually prove it's that way. You're just a bunch of legalists. You're just a bunch of legalists. You know what? One day I just want to sit down and say, would, would you define legalist? And if they try to define the legalist, it won't be what a legalist is. It, their definition of legalist is having standards and rules and things of that of life. And we've got liberty, we've got grace. Okay, you've got grace to do drugs. Man, and give them to your children. Boy, you've got all kinds of grace. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's not that. It's not, okay. Then your, your definition of, of that word, of legalism, legalist, is totally wrong because you've just defeated your own argument. You see, a legalist believes that he's got certain works and certain things that he has to do in order to get saved and stay saved. One who is not a legalist believes that Jesus died for his sin and, for, and was buried and rose from the dead bodily. And he gives his life to Christ and he knows it's from that point forward. That is not legalism. That is truth. And that's a way of God's design of salvation. But it calls for repentance. You're turning from depending on yourself, depending on religion, depending on anything else, and you're depending fully on Christ. He's in charge. That's why when we say baptism follows salvation. Why? Okay. You gave your heart to the Lord. You're going to do what he said. He's going to direct your life. First thing you do after salvation is what? Get baptized. Because I said so? No, because the Bible says so. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You get saved through the work of the gospel, and then you follow in salvation with baptism, and that's followed by teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Then you teach them a life of obedience. Okay. That's not legalism. That's, now, that is true grace and liberty. You're freed from the power of the flesh and sin to serve Christ in pureness and holiness. Uh, and look, I can just say, this church has to do that. That church doesn't do it. So-and-so's church doesn't do it. That, that denomination doesn't do it. Unfortunately, and you can say it among Baptists, a lot of these Baptists, if you go into a lot of them, they're in rock and roll. That's not liberty. That is deceived by the devil religion. Donna, oh, pastor, you shouldn't say that. No, I'm supposed to tell the truth. It's supposed to tell the truth, and that is the truth. Okay, now, so, uh, when you look at that, the 
try to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, and it's always, always, always evil in God's sight to do that. And so we'll go on and read there after saying uh, to turn to God from idols. Okay, turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God. See, you're not not only turn from it, now you're serving the true and living God. And to wait for his son from heaven. Sometimes you see the word wait in the Bible, and it means like you're waiting for something to happen. But also, it has the idea of to wait a table. Like you go into a restaurant, and there's a waiter or a waitress, and they wait the table. They take care of the needs until you're gone. Well, when we're waiting for the Lord to come, we're doing what we're supposed to do as Christians, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, being that soul warner that goes out and warns people of the wrath of God to come and the way of salvation. See, that is our responsibility. That is our duty. That's what we do if we're going to be right, to serve the Lord. So as we wait for that rapture or our home going, Serve the Lord. So to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised up from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now the wrath, again, going back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, is speaking of that tribulation hour in uh, which the saved are caught out, and they're caught out at the time of the rapture. But what about the rapture? Uh, where do you see it in scriptures? Now again, you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And before I read that, let me just say this. Uh, you're one of those that like to study the Bible. Look at 1 Thessalonians. You're looking at those times of rapture. Now, 2 Thessalonians, it talks about the second coming of Christ when he's going to actually touch on earth and uh, do all of that, but the things that go on in the tribulation are there. And so read it with that thought in mind if that's what you do. Now, going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. It is exciting to think of being alive when the rapture happens and just be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds. But since the dead arise, raise, uh, rise up first before we do, I mean, it's going to be pretty instantaneous. But when we get to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, guess what? Our loved ones who died in Christ are there right there too. Now, they, their bodies just got raised, but... You see, they have a new body now, just like you and I will have a new body when we're resurrected. Have you ever thought about that, the new body? Remember back in Garden Eden, I was just discussing that this morning, we were talking about it over here, that, um, uh, that, that body. I said, yeah, you know, when we get, when we're resurrected, Christ has taken on a human body. That human body raised, and now it's glorified. Remember, he passed through doors and things like that. But Christ remained in a human body and will for all eternity, and yet still be Lord, still be God. 
He did that for us. But you think of Adam. He was made with a righteous spirit. No, he's made with a spirit without sin. But he had a chance to sin. He was tempted, as Eve was tempted, but he chose to sin himself. Presumptuous sin on his part. For regardless of the reason, it was presumptuous on his part. But God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the spirit, the very spirit, and man became a living soul. When we get those new bodies, this old nature's put off, and that spirit of ours cleansed, rid of all the sin of the past, cleansed, no temptation. We are placed into a glorified body. This old body will be changed for this old vile body, the Bible calls a vile body that we have, will be changed. And likened unto his glorious body, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a great promise that is. That's a tremendous promise. So, we want your life to cut up uh, the dead first. Then we which, uh, we which our life shall... Uh, let me find my place. I read the same thing twice here, okay? With him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, cut up. That is the Greek word, caught up, it's the Greek word, harpezo. If you don't want to call it the rapture, I don't see rapture in the Bible, okay? In the Greek, it's harpezo. The word is translated, so you can call it the harpezo. You can call it the caught up. I can't wait for the caught up. Huh? Uh, in Latin, the Latins put it in the word raptura, which we get our word rapture. And that's where that comes from. But the word in Greek in the original writings, as it was written in the Textus Receptus, is harpezo. But it means the same thing. It means to get caught up. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Isn't that great? If you're saved, that's a wonderful promise. It's a glorious promise. And so... When you look further at this, uh, when we see all the meanings that are caught up in these things, we're caught up in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I've seen people, preachers talk about how fast an eye twinkles, and, you know, I just know it's going to be quick. I just know it's going to be quick. And so the problem with scriptures is that you don't believe it. If you don't believe it, then you have a problem with scripture. And so you can believe what people say or you can believe what people don't say, but what the scripture says is always true, it's always right, so just believe the word of God. We're, there's a rapture that's coming, but now there are certain things that talk about the rapture, and I try to share during the announcement times about hurricanes and historical things that happen. You know, if you read books written during World War II, the Lord was coming because of Hitler and what was happening to the Jews and things like that. But Hitler was the Antichrist. 
And there are ones throughout history that have been, oh, that must be the Antichrist. Well, you know, Antichrist is not going to be revealed until the ra- after the rapture. They're not going to know who he is until after the rapture, so don't try to guess who it is. The Bible says it's not going to be revealed. Why are we trying to guess who the Antichrist is if the Bible says it's not going to be revealed until afterwards? Then he'll be seen. If you truly believe God's word, then this is a comfort. You know, just like for an example, okay, if you're an adult, when your children left home, some of ours had children going off to college, and uh, some of you out there, you've had that and things like that, and you take them off, you drive there, you take them to college. On the way home, dad is, boy, they got to buy their own groceries, all right, you know, and, and uh, man, there's that. Uh, Dad, I need a car. Dad, I need it. I need, oh, man, they, they're responsible now. Wife is saying, oh, my baby's gone. But then before too long, they, that child will be writing letters. Uh, Mom, I need $100. Get it from Dad. You know, uh, he doesn't want to ask Dad. He wants Mom to get it from Dad. But regardless, then those things start Happening, and you know they're coming back. But you know that when they're coming back, if they went to a good fundamental Christian college, they're going to come back knowledgeable, closer to the Lord. And they're going to be more prepared for life. And so, you're kind of excited about that. You're excited for them. And they're going to get married one day, and then they're going to have children, grandchildren for you that's going to keep you broke the rest of your life. Okay? But nonetheless, you're looking forward to it. And what a joy it is. It really is. So, again, uh, you go to those funerals, and you're saved, and they were saved. You hear me say it about any funeral I'll do. You're not here to say goodbye if you're saved. You're here to say, I'll see you later. And that's an absolute truth. That is an absolute truth. You're going to say I see you later. You can look down there and say, I see you later. Now, I've said that so many times at funerals now. I've heard people just walk by the casket and say, see you later. I've heard them sit, stand by grave sites where the, there wasn't a casket standing there and already buried. I'll see you later. Hey, that's an absolute biblical truth. And it does not change. And so we, we see these things that go on. Now, there are some that believe, okay, this rapture takes place somewhere at the midpoint of the tribulation hour. Because Satan does the wrath at first, and then the Lord. That is baloney. This is the time of the Lord's wrath. Yeah, Satan has power, and he'll have things throughout that tribulation period. But he who now letteth, that is the Holy Spirit who restrains Satan, will take his hand off when the rapture takes place. And yet Satan still can't do more than what the Lord allows him to do. And so there's not a partial rapture. Only the good Christians going up. No, there's not a partial rapture. Some people will get saved in the tribulation. But I want you to realize one kind of person that will not get saved in the tribulation. That's also found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 10. And uh, chapter 2, excuse me, in verse uh, 10, second half of verse 10 through verse 12. And 
with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the, tr the love of the truth, that they might be saved. See, that kind of puts down election. I mean, if there's such a thing as election, they couldn't receive the truth. Some people, by election, I mean, some people are predestined to go to heaven, some predestined to go to hell. Nobody's predestined to go to hell. They go to hell because they do not receive the love of the truth. When they hear the gospel, they reject it. And if they don't receive it and get saved before they die, they're going to hell by choice, their choice. Well, I wouldn't choose to go here. Well, you did when you rejected Christ. If you reject him, you die without him, then that's what happens. And so, so he says, uh, not to love the truth, they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned. Oh, my goodness. They might be damned who believe not the truth. That damned has the idea of eternal, eternity in the lake of fire with no escape and no ceasing to exist. But they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Huh? Yeah. Man, I'm not going to say it. It's going to take all my fun away. Oh, if I get saved, I got, at least I know that there needs to be repentance in life. But, hey, I, no, I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be blah, 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 blah. If under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when someone gives the gospel and you heard it, you realize that you were unsaved, you need the Savior, but you said, no, not now. Maybe later, I won't, and the rapture takes place. You're going to be left behind, but you held the truth and unrighteousness when there was a chance, and you won't get saved in the tribulation. There are going to be people that will get saved, but they didn't have that opportunity that you had. Why pray, play Russian roulette with your soul? That's the most ignorant thing that you can do. Sometimes you ever hear people talk about these kids. Oh, they go out and they do the stupidest things. Is that because they act like their mother? They act like you, you know? But people talk about the kids doing the stupidest things. I didn't do that in my day. That's not even near as stupid of whatever you're talking about as knowing that you need to be saved and you pass it up. There's not a thing that your child can do that is more ignorant than that. See, God is real. He is the creator of the heaven and the earth. He did send his son to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He, did, he was buried and he rose from the dead. He did that for us. So you say not at this time, then you won't be able to be saved. If you are saved, you are promised that you will not go through the tribulation. That is great. When you read about the tribulation, that is great. Now, we don't know when that rapture is going to take place. You know, every time something happens, a big thing, people come up. We had one a few years ago, had a date they were setting. I had people call me up, upset. Is the Lord going to be coming back then? Well, he hasn't told me, but he sure didn't tell them either. 
You see, uh, no man knows the day nor the hour. Listen to what Jesus said. This is the words of Jesus. Now, you've got to say, well, Jesus didn't know what he's talking about, or you must believe that he was God coming to flesh and say, yeah, what he said is true. And he says, so likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. But I want you to see, I want to show you, some other things, though, about that. Because in Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 8, he says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. These things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences. You know, COVID is a pestilence. Matter of fact, I was talking to a medical doctor recently, and uh, he was about the vaccines and all that. And I says, he's talking about this variant now that they have, the Delta variant. And he says, there's one coming after that. I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you think these uh, things are in to stay? Is there going to be one after that? And he said, yeah, pretty well. Ask some others. They said the same thing. Yeah, it's going to stay. Pestilences. Now, does that mean that Christ's coming at any time? Well, he's been able to, he's going to come at any time since the resurrection. But notice the rest of this word, verse. He says, all these things are beginning of sorrows. But at the end of that verse, but he says, no man knows the day nor the hour that he's going to come, but the Father only knows the day. Not even the angels of heaven know the day. The Father only. So that hasn't been revealed unto man when Christ is going to rapture. But he will. But he says there are things that can show us that. And those are the four things that I want to really look at in this uh, service this evening when you come back. But right now, what I'm telling you is that God said it. You know, uh, you, can go, you can make predictions a lot of these people make predictions, you know, at the end of the year, they'd make all these predictions, what's going to happen, most of it doesn't happen. Hey, you don't even have to wait till the end of the year. Get on the weather thing, it tells you what the weather's going to be before tomorrow. I, I don't know why we believe all these things about COVID and everything else. They, those guys can't even get five days right. Why do we believe these things about global warming? They can't even know what's happening in the next five days. But, the thing is this, you make a Prediction, there's a good chance it'll fail. There has never, ever been a thing that was prophesied by the Lord that failed. And that that is still to come will not fail. And so the Lord said through the Apostle Paul, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. 
My friend, are you ready for the return of Christ? He could come at any moment, and I believe that he is. Are you 100% sure? Let me say it this way. Can you give a Bible reason why you know that if you died today that heaven's your home? Would your loved ones be saying goodbye or see you later? You say, preacher, that's none of your business, but it's God's business. It's just my business to preach it. I'm not the one you're going to have to deal with. It's him. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Let's bow our heads.